We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Fans, welcome to another episode of Her Hoop Stats Unplugged. As always, you are here with Megan Gower and an update on the countdown to March. It starts tomorrow. The postseason is very, very close, and we're super excited about that. And to kind of get into that, we're talking a lot of bracketology this week. We've got obviously the rest of the regular season for a lot of conferences, conference tournaments to come, but the NCAA tournament is very close on the radar. So getting into a lot of detail there today. And I'm here today with Aaron Barzilai. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? Doing well, doing well. Thanks so much for having me back on. It's uh, been quite a while since I've joined you on the podcast. <laughs> it has been a while, but excited to have you back on. Leading up till March, when this comes out, it'll be one day until March, as crazy as that sounds. So <laughs> Crazy, it's crazy. It's March, conference tournaments right around the corner. Um, and as you said, right, there's a bracket reveal tomorrow for there me. Committee, so excited to talk about that today. Yeah, exactly. So we get our last preview of what Selection Sunday might look like tomorrow or today when this comes out um, with the top 16 seed reveal and then no more previews until the actual bracket comes out two weeks from today. So no more official previews. I'm yeah, official call. previews. Yeah, plenty of previews, just no official ones. <laughs> benefits, right, of women's basketball, there's actually a ton of time to debate it. We should really be having more bracketology than in the men's game because the you know major conference tournaments are all done earlier that is true other than the big 12 which i think is going to have a very large impact on oh. where things fall in that bracket but for sure for <laughs> sure and we were i was editing a, one of our stories that's coming out soon and i was uh you know very clear i'm like hey the regular season is not over as of you know essentially this moment right sunday right recording. <laughs> um, there's still a lot of important regular season games to go Exactly. And even postseason too, the I mean conference tournaments, I think like 
you're not going to know exactly where things are going to fall, even if you could predict it perfectly until the very last second of that Big 12 tournament, I'm pretty sure. So oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting one for sure. Absolutely. So you're a resident bracketologist. Have you totally mapped it out? <laughs> I don't have it. Well, I have it mapped out to the best I could quickly after the final slate of games today. Um, I've got it mostly mapped out with definitely some like, I'm interested to see what's going to happen on the bottom. And then there's, I've got a group of teams in the middle that I'm kind of like, this could go a few different ways. I think it's a coin flip. Yeah, it's, it's really splitting hairs and I won't get to UConn, but I think there's a lot of question marks about what the committee is going to do with UConn. Yeah, so I'm but... to, uh, that. we always debate them, you know, exactly what happened to them is the hypothetical case. I feel like we've talked about <laughs> everybody talks about every year. So uh, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, so do you think uh, our listeners are going to be shocked uh, at what you're going to say or not really? I don't think too much. I think the UConn question has gotten less crazy with the amount that other teams have lost in the last, since the last reveal. I think that's going to play a big piece into it. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So, you know, we didn't talk about this uh, um, before we started. Maybe we should have prepped even more, but um, do you want to go through it sort of starting with like the number one team by Haroop stats rating and work our way down? Normally people like to count down from, you know, 10 to one or whatever, <laughs> but I actually think it's like pretty interesting at number four as well. The four or five decisions so important. So maybe we should start at the top. Yeah, I think we should start at the top as well, um, especially because I think the one line is pretty set at this point. And honestly, I don't think it will change either. So, really? yeah. Well, the order could change, but I don't, I think we know who the one seats are at this point. Really? So, hmm, who possibly could be the top <laughs> seed, Megan? <laughs> I mean, I think if I said anything other than South Carolina, people would be very confused as would I so I mean it's it's very obvious I think it doesn't really matter what happens in the SEC tournament South Carolina is the number one overall seed I I just don't see that changing yeah you could say Gamecocks I guess and that would still be true too but yes <laughs> so um I told you I was going to do the math on this uh what I I went ahead and sort of did essentially a estimate of what our simulation is going to be for the chances that uh, South Carolina can win the whole tournament, right? You know, so they're mm -hmm. presumably playing a, a very weak team at home uh, to open and then, um, you know, like the, maybe the 32nd roughly best team in the country, uh, which I have as, you know, if you look at our herd stats rating, that's like Ole Miss, um, you know, then, you know, maybe the 16th uh, best team in the country is something like on the order of Virginia Tech based on our who stats rating. And, you know, and of course, we're going to use our who stats rating for this. Um, you know, interestingly, BYU right now is currently uh, eighth in our who stats rating, which like surprised me how high they were. Um, but, you know, even if it's not BYU specifically, I think Iowa was ninth. And, you know, the odds would mm -hmm. end up being about the same. Uh, so they play BYU, then they play like the fourth best team, presumably in the uh, final four. Uh, and finally, the championship game, you'd expect them to play the, the number two team in the country, which is NC State. Um, so when you put all that together and all our little win probabilities for each of those individual games, what's your guess as to the chances that uh, South Carolina is going to win the whole thing based on that math? Ooh, I'm going to guess somewhere in the order of like 30s, 30% ish. Wow, that's actually exactly right. Uh, oh. <laughs> this math, you know. With our super high precision, right? It's 30.58% to 30.6%, um, you know, which I think might surprise uh, some people, 
you know, as dominant as they've been, that they still, you know, as we've estimated it, you know, as that little estimate, back of the envelope estimate is, you know, it's still only about a third of a, cha- uh, a third of the time they'd win the tournament, you know, if you played it like a thousand times or whatever. So, um, you know, I think it just speaks to even as amazing as they've been all season, you know, how, you know, there's still no guarantees. It's like really easy to say that they're definitely the number one overall seed. And I wholeheartedly agree, but you know, right. As Missouri showed, you know, in any yes. one game, you can definitely go down. <laughs> yeah. I will admit that I was looking at win probabilities between like the top five-ish teams the other day. Right. So I had a little bit of a head start. I'm trying to make that guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on a neutral, we only um, give them like a 61% chance at this moment of beating uh, NC State, um, you know, because NC State's quite talented too, right? Mm-hmm. And certainly they should be favored. I think we would, uh, do I have that one up here? Give me a second. Um, let's see if I can stall or if I need you to stall. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, we think the score would be, you know, not unlike uh, a lot of the late tournament games last year, right? Something maybe like 65, 62. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you just, uh, you know, these, as much as I would like to think they're perfect, you know, these predictions absolutely are not. And so, especially as you see, uh, you know, something happens like, you know, Caitlin Clark's game today, yes. um, when, uh, unbelievable. And, uh, you know, suddenly, um, you know, the best team in the country is out. So it's going to be a fun tournament. That's for sure. Yeah. I think when I'm looking at this tournament, like there's still a pretty small subset of teams that I think have what it takes to win it all. But I do think that we are going, or it's at least more likely that we could see some earlier upsets of teams that are considered part of that group. Got it. I'm guessing you're not anticipating a uh, early upset for South Carolina, though. Probably not, but like you said, that Mizzou game like shows us that it could happen. So it's not off the table. I still don't think it will happen, but I think it it's going to be anyone's game in a lot of these games. So it'll be an exciting tournament for sure. Now, since they are the number one team, we should probably talk about them a hair more than the others. Like, yes. <laughs> they, assuming they do, you know, walk to the championship and you know end up only with that uh, one loss, right, all season, mm-hmm. one, Missouri would be the only loss that they had. Like, I'll start with that—the more positive scenario. Like, you know, what do you think we'll have witnessed uh, over the course of the tournament if that's how it plays out and they're hoisting the trophy? Yeah, I mean, I think it starts and finishes with Lilia Boston, right? She's just been so great all season long. I know people want to debate the National Player of the Year, but I just don't think there is any debate at this point. I think it's Lilia Boston's, and she's just on both ends of the floor, been fantastic for South Carolina. I forget how many straight double-doubles she's at at this point. I know it's the SEC record. I mean, and for them to, outside of that one kind of fluke loss to Mizzou, run the table in the sec is extremely impressive i don't think the sec is maybe as good at the top as it has been in the past few years but still i mean lsc has been good tennessee has been good georgia has been good for them to come out of that kind of unscathed outside of that one mizzou loss is impressive yeah absolutely um see uh, i'm trying to count it up here as we talk one two three four five six seven i think it's 21 um because she got another one today actually against uh old mess 15 yes. points and uh, 14 rebounds so um yeah i we've been talking a little bit on slack right i 100 percent agree that uh you know she she's got my vote for at the moment at least for uh national player of the year what she does is so impressive 
I wish though that people could also, or I hope that people can also recognize that uh, just because people are pro Caitlin Clark means that yes. not, does, does not mean that Agreed. they're anti <laughs> Boston. What Caitlin Clark is doing is amazing yes. uh, too, right? You heard it on ESPN today. Uh, the stat I know that we had dug up uh, a little while ago, right? Is that she's on track to be the first person ever to lead the country in both points and assists in the same season since the NCAA started tracking assists for women basketball in, uh, I think it was 85, 86 was the first season. So, I mean, it's remarkable. Um, Agreed. Yeah. 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 So, but I agree, right? I mean, I think it starts with Aaliyah Boston just kind of asserting kind of her her will on the game. Yeah, and I think that's kind of if you like look at these teams and who could get upset in the early rounds. I don't see it being South Carolina just because I think the the talent that Aaliyah Boston has and that compared to pretty much at every other center in the country is going to allow her to, even if South Carolina gets themselves in a tight spot in an earlier round, I think having a lead of Boston is going to be enough to get out of it. Got it. Now, so what is the um, unfortunate uh, but surprise scenario where they don't uh, manage to win it all? What do you think that would end up looking like? I think it's probably a loss somewhere in the final four area. I think South Carolina is very good, but I think Stanford has also gotten to a point where the gap between South Carolina and Stanford is, is not large. In my opinion, I think we've seen a Stanford team. I mean, it wasn't large right when they played back in December, South Carolina won by four points. That's a pretty small margin error to begin with, but I think the Stanford team is better than they were back then. That game, if you remember, Stanford had a really, really solid first half, was able to score a ton of points, but then turned the ball over a ton in the second quarter or second half, something that's been a problem for Stanford this season. It's something that they have seemed to figure out a bit kind of down the stretch here in the conference play. They also have not lost since that South Carolina game. They've run the table in the Pac-12, which is impressive in and of itself. Maybe not as impressive as it has been <laughs> in past years, but still impressive stretch to do that. And I think they've kind of figured out that point guard role a little bit more in the last month. Anna Wilson has been playing more in that role. She's been fantastic. I did the math on it last week, and this doesn't include like this week's games, but over the last month or so, going into this weekend her assisted turnover ratio was over six that's mm. insane that's <laughs> uh, very different than what we saw from stanford at the beginning of the season exactly yeah and her so, shot wasn't falling either if i recall correctly. yeah which i don't think they necessarily need anna wilson to score there's enough other people on that team that can score if she can distribute the ball and continue to contribute what she does on the defensive end i think they're in a really good spot with her on the floor I don't think that Stanford needs her to like be a ball dominant creator to beat South Carolina, but I think yes. to be a team like South Carolina, you do need her to score. You need everyone Probably. to score, <laughs> and, uh, you know, play a little bit uh, above average, right? And South Carolina, yeah. Carolina play a little bit below average. Yeah, they, so the South Carolina beat them by four at home, right? On, I think it was mm-hmm. December 21st. And typically, actually, um, you know, we find that going from home court to neutral, which is where they would play on, is worth about four points. Um, so you might think that actually that we would call that game a toss-up, but that's kind of not what our model is showing at the moment. It still thinks that uh, South Carolina would win that game 64-60. You know, one thing that's interesting, too, about uh, Stanford, I think, if I'm recalling this correctly right, is that they're you know, they don't play at a particularly high place as well. They're kind of comfortable playing a low scoring game too. So, you know, I don't think they mind South Carolina's um, approach to the game, maybe, right? Just the sort of general vibe of the game itself. Yeah. And I think that slow pace can almost in a way favor Stanford just because they can hit the three, which can just 
allow them to create a little bit more separation there. South Carolina, if you're going to try to find one flaw with this that South Carolina team, it's they're not great at the three ball. And I think that's an area that Stanford can kind of get the edge there. Yeah, and get some variance on as well. Yes. Um, okay, so we've talked a lot about Stanford, actually. They're technically third on our Herb Stats rating. So um, NC State's second on our Herb Stats rating. Who do you have as the second overall seed? I still have Stanford there. I don't think that's changed since the last reveal. I mean, like I said, they've run the table in the in the Pac-12. I could see NC State maybe overtaking them as the second overall if they win the ACC tournament. But for right now, I still think Stanford has that second spot. Do you think NC State could uh, have the second spot if they both win their conference tournaments? Yes. I think there is a chance for really well, – we're going to give away my four seed at Louisville too – that Louisville or NC State could take over that second spot with an ACC tournament win depending kind of how the field falls. But they're going to have the opportunity, I think, to pick up a little bit more quality wins than Stanford is in their conference tournament. Sure, sure. So, yeah, so what do you think about NC State? We talked about South Carolina and, uh, and and Stanford a bit already. What's your take on NC State? I know you've been paying attention to them in general. Yeah, NC State, another team that can shoot the three ball really well. I think that's one of the things that stands out for them the most. I haven't looked at the stats in a few weeks, but at one point they had, I think, four players that were shooting over 40% from three. So just a team that can really get it done from downtown. I think we saw that especially in that game in the regular season with Louisville where they were able to come back. Um, really big in the fourth quarter and get the win there with the, mm-hmm. the three-point shooting. Maybe not as strong of a defensive team as Stanford and South Carolina are, but I think can make up for that on the offensive end. Um, the one thing that's, I think, going to be interesting for them going into the tournament, especially if they have to play a team like South Carolina, is I don't think we've seen Eliza Kinane be necessarily as good of a player as we have seen in past seasons. Not an act to her. I just like, she's not having that like all American type season that we saw last year. And I think, you know, coming into a a matchup with someone like Halea Boston, that could be kind of a a tough spot for NC State to be in. Yeah, I I was going to ask you, um, you know, whether you, we didn't say that we were going to talk about this, but whether you think she'll end up, would end up on your first team All-America ballot or not. Canane, not for me. I don't think, I think there's too many other players that are in the front court that are having a better season than Canane. Yeah, I I love her game, but I think, and I love Reina Perez's game too for the Mm -hmm. record, but yeah, I think that that's probably where I am as well. Yeah, honestly, I don't know that she would even fall on a second team All-American. I think you just have too many Mm -hmm. players like Ilkali, Anissa Morrow, some players in the front court that are playing together some really, really, really strong seasons. Anissa tomorrow is awesome. I'm so excited. <laughs> I mean, like, it's cool what she's doing. I'm hoping she's going to get a ton of attention next year. Maybe we'll get yeah. some attention to the tournament and then really kind of set it. makes the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> the Big East isn't doing itself a lot of favors right now. <laughs> go, well, yeah, hard to go on a run, I guess, with the uh, um, UConn there, but you never know. You never know. Great. You never know. You never know. So, um, but in general, you said you're still pretty high on NC State. Do you really have them in that top tier of teams? Yeah, I think for me, it's like, I mean, South Carolina and Stanford, and then I think NC State is kind of the next team, and then Louisville after that, but I think um, they're in that top tier for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely rooting for them just because it's kind of great to see how the program's developed over um, the years, right? And I'd like to see them kind of carry on all the way through. Yeah, I'd I'd like to see them in the final four, but I also think that they are likely going to end up being the team that deals with the situation of that you've got 
maybe a UConn team that might be a little understated in your region. Got it. Got it. And so if NC State's next for you, who's your fourth number one? Louisville. Like I said, I think the order there can change depending who wins the ACC tournament. But I think there's a kind of a pretty steep cliff in resumes between the next kind of set of teams. So I do expect barring maybe if like Louisville or NC State lost in like the first round of the ACC tournament or something, they might fall off. But I I kind of think that the one line is pretty set at this point. The order could change, but I think the the line is set. So two ACC, one Pac-12, and one SEC. Yep. Got it. And so, yeah, right. I mean, uh, I was sort of joking today after that first half, right? Louisville's ruining uh, college basketball. Yeah. <laughs> I, I forget what the exact. Uh, I think it was uh, like 30 something to four or something. I don't know. I don't remember the exact. I think it was like the there, but <laughs> yeah, it's, all, it's all blurred out. But, um, but yeah, unbelievable. I mean, I think they, you know, ultimately, right, Notre Dame cut it to like 20 something, but still, it just kind of showed what Louisville uh, can do. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I mean, I think Louisville's a team that's found their groove a little bit more as of late. They've been a really, really solid defensive team all season long. I think it took them a while to find the offense. It took Van Leith a while to find her shot this season, but I think it's all coming together at the right time for them. Yeah, right. I mean, Van Lith was struggling for a while. I mean, she's still, I mean, she's up to like 37.5% from three. Um, you know, still not su- shooting super well on two. So her field goal percentage is only 43%. But uh, it seemed like on the, you know, sort of the middle of the year, I remember checking it out and like her percentages, I think were much lower than that. Yeah. Correctly. But yet somehow she was still kind of coming up clutch every moment. And uh, yeah, she's been in double figures the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games, to, including today. Um, you know, really kind of starting to maybe shoot the ball a little bit better. So you know, I think there's uh, a lot of potential there. You know, like I, there's definitely uncertainty, right? But I think that, um, you know, I think I think that's good. You're right that there's a good case there for them to be that fourth number one seed. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's a pretty strong case. I think there's just yeah a little bit too much of a drop off between that and the next level to to argue that anyone else is going to make their way in there unless something really crazy happens in the kind of opening round of the ACC tournament. Gotcha. So then who is in that next group? So I have Iowa State and then Baylor right after them. So we're getting into the, the craziness of the Big 12 right after we move into that that second line. Iowa State was on the two line in the last reveal, picked up uh, a loss over Texas since then, but also beat Oklahoma and Kansas and then TCU and Texas Tech in that span as well. So I still think given the way other teams that were kind of on that two line in the last reveal have lost Iowa state moves up and is the best two at this point. You've got Iowa state as the number one, two. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, our model um, has them ahead as well uh, of Baylor. If they were to face off, like, I guess, you know, they probably will, we think face <laughs> off right in the tournament. Um, and so on a neutral site, we give uh, Iowa state at 57 percent chance to win but only like you know 73 to 70 so definitely could go either way pretty close to a coin flip agreed yeah i think it's a, it's a close flip and that i think order could definitely flip depending how things go in the well the rest of the big 12 regular season first and then the big 12 tournament. i know they're they're playing tomorrow night right this is going to go out during the day so yeah um shortly after people are listening to this uh 
big game, I think seven o'clock tomorrow, seven o'clock Monday on ESPN2. I am guessing that the, the halftime show, that is when we're getting her record reveals. I think so. <laughs> I think so. So I'll be inter- it'll be amusing to hear if they say anything about uh, what they say about the two of those. So the fun part will be that reveal will be irrelevant. 20 minutes after it comes out <laughs> what do you, i mean seriously so one of those teams i was just gonna lose like yeah say i'm sorry so you said you basically have iowa state and baylor five and six in your yep. psychology so when one of them loses are you of the opinion that shouldn't really change and they'd still be five and six or if we were talking on tuesday would you then i think it's gonna depend how they lose mm-hmm. if it's a close game i could say it's kind of staying table stakes i think it's, yeah. they're both kind of still have pretty solid convincing cases to be kind of at the top of the two line so maybe they flip positions if you know Baylor wins or whatever but I think kind of depending how they lose if they get blown out I think it's gonna be a different story right absolutely no I'm, I'm a firm believer in that right it's like if they were to play instead of you know each other if like Baylor was to play South Carolina and lose to them like I don't think you should really penalize right. them if we think South Carolina is a better team and they sort of play to expectations but yeah if it turns into a, a big blowout like that uh michigan and iowa gave today maybe <laughs> then it's a little different even then right i'm a pretty firm believer it's only one data point yes exactly. um, you really got to look at the whole totality of the uh season right baylor's um let's see who i got here now oh, sorry so yeah i mean iowa state's like 16th basically in margin of victory you know, Baylor is, uh, you know, 13th, uh, essentially, right? So they're quite similar. Um, and, uh, you know, they've got some losses. Well, I guess Iowa State's already lost to Baylor once. That was at Baylor, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty hand- handily, 87-61. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they go, if there's a sweep or, you know, what happens there. Yeah, exactly. The Big 12 has been nothing but chaos, so I have no idea what to expect. <laughs> yeah, so interesting. But you have Iowa State over Baylor because, uh, you know, l- looking at their kind of our, com- our pair mm-hmm. resumes page for these two teams, right? And, you know, it's not like Iowa State has a lot of big wins. Yeah, I think it's just the number of quality wins in the Big 12 and then just also looking at where the committee had them last time compared to where they had Baylor. I don't know that... Baylor's picked up enough like more quality wins in the last you know yeah. couple of weeks to leapfrog them at this point yeah I guess Baylor has the worst losses right yeah they have yeah not as good losses so although you know I don't know my you know and this can sort of lead into UConn uh discussion which i'm guessing is probably coming up uh, (laughs) on your list are they seven on your list so i have a i have a group of four teams that i am debating where they go still it's lsu uconn michigan and texas it's kind of this next group that i think you can argue yourself into a lot of different orders for i think the first six to me is pretty clear cut but after that it gets dicey yeah i mean what's interesting right is so against our her hoop stats top I guess 25, like Iowa State is uh, only two and four, right? So they've beaten LSU, or sorry, they've beaten South Dakota State and Iowa, but they lost to Baylor. They lost to Texas twice, who Baylor um, beat twice. Uh, and they lost to LSU. Did I say that already? They beat South Dakota State uh, very early on. I think that's, um, yeah. So 
I really do value at the top, like how these teams are playing against mm-hmm. the very best teams, right? Occasionally there can be a little bit of a slip up. Baylor, you know, actually got swept by Oklahoma and lost to Kansas State, which are, you know, okay, sort of okay. But, um, you know, at the real top, they beat Texas twice and they have that Iowa State win. They've got losses to Maryland and Michigan. So, I mean, I guess that's why you got them 5-6 because they're that close together. Yeah. And for what it's worth, I mean, how much the committee is taking this into account, but that Maryland loss, I think, mm. looks better on paper than it is because that was a very injured Maryland team that they lost yeah, to. Yeah, that was at the, was that in the, the tournament in the Bahamas or whatever? It was right before that, but yeah, okay. that same kind of version of the Maryland team <laughs> that was not, not what Maryland is, right? So <laughs> it, it got fair, it got um, fairly, uh, it seemed like every day there was bad news. So. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm sorry. So UConn's in your next group, you said, right? Yeah. I think they're hovering that line between the two and the three. I could see mm-hmm. them coming in on the two line or on the three line. I'm not entirely sure. I think it's a it's a hard question to answer because so much of it comes down to how much the committee is going to adjust for who they've had available versus who they have available now. Well, what does our committee of two think? What do you, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. What's your opinion on this exact case where there's like the body of work, but, um, and now granted, right. Uh, Becker's is back. She's back. She, I mean, it's not like she's back and she scored 30 in game one or whatever. Right. So we, yeah, we can't just sort of assume she'll be at full health. I think that we'd like to assume that, mm-hmm. but in, in general, in that kind of a concept, which is we're pretty close on, you know, the idea that, you know, or Maryland, as you said, losing those games early on when they were um, injured, you know, like, how do you think about how the committee ought to be both selecting teams and seeding teams when a team wasn't at full strength for a while, essentially, but is at full strength now at the end of the season? Yeah, I think especially when it comes to seeding at the top here, and I think it's especially important at the top because right? Like that's going to be, have the biggest impact on like who's going to the final four. It's important to seed. I mean, it matters the bottom two really throughout, but it is important to seed based on, I think where those teams are at now, like to me to seed UConn and people will probably disagree with this, but to seed them as like a low three, because you think the resume is worse, even though like they didn't have that talent available is probably doing a disservice to who they're going to have to play against at the, at the top there where, yeah, maybe yeah. they don't have the strongest resume, but that's the a- same argument also right applies to a team from a speaker conference that maybe doesn't right. have the um, body of work because they haven't as many opportunities. Exactly. I think it's really high then if they're stuck playing a much harder game than a team at their true level, if we had perfect information, uh, would if it came from more of a you know, one of the six major conferences, you know, then you're also hurting the, the opponent as well, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. So it sounds like you're arguing for something that I think I've always been in favor of, which is, um, you know, more of kind of essentially seeding based on, you know, really a predictive kind of approach, right? Here's mm-hmm. where they are today. Here's what we think, how it would play out at this moment, right? And so you're using the information from the past to, um, uh, you know, to, to make that assessment right and and you know while we've got our model right ultimately our, we know our model is not perfect and you know we wouldn't necessarily say this is exactly how you need to see them but you know 
you're kind of using other information or weighting it differently than the information that we're using in the model, as opposed to something that's a little bit more, you know, like a more traditional professional league when it really is just record, right? Like it doesn't, you know, uh, you don't get credit for uh, wins and losses in the WNBA. Uh, you don't get adjusted in your um, playoff seating because uh, of injuries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I think, I mean, this is like a NCAA tournament problem because you don't it's not seated at all by record really so it is what it is yeah. but yeah I think you've got to consider that I I think to me the thing with UConn is assuming they run the table in the Big East tournament I don't know that they're going to be on the two line when they release it today I guess when this comes out tomorrow but I think we will see them there come selection Sunday assuming like Paige Beckers is playing more minutes come the Big East tournament I could see the argument that you still don't really know what level Paige is back at. She's only played, you know, 10-ish minutes, 13 minutes a game so far in these two games. But if she's back in the Big East tournament playing, you know, 25, 30 minutes a game, I, I think you have to put them on the two line. I just, to me, I think, go ahead. How good did you think they were, like, basically before she got hurt? I think things were coming together. It's This team is, I think, just in general, very hard to see, to kind of judge, because even yeah. before Beckers came back, they were still missing so many key pieces in basically every game. Like it's, They've had three games this season, I think, even in the last, you know, since Beckers went down, where they've had everyone but Beckers. So it's, it's very, very difficult, I think, to kind of yeah. figure out where they're at. Fun play with Beckers at the beginning. It was like very a little bit, but she so yeah. So fun was played a little bit with Beckers at the beginning, but AC Fun was injured during that time and then was out before Beckers was out. Obviously, right. we've seen at this point that AC Fun, the player that's been playing the last month or so, is very different than the injured AC Fun that we were seeing at the beginning of the season. Um, and then you've got things like, I mean, when Beckers went down, they also lost. You can mule for a while. Right before that Oregon loss, they lost Kristen Williams to COVID protocol. Right before mm -hmm. they lost to Villanova, Olivia Nelson Dota was out. They lost Dorker Uhas for a few games. They've lost Caroline Dutarm for a couple games. So it's it's very difficult to kind of judge where this team is at because you really haven't seen much of a body of work from them where they've actually had everyone that they're going to have going into the tournament, knock on wood, I guess. But we haven't really seen it all together. Yeah, yeah. Feels like a lot of potential or something. I guess I sort of thought they were like a top 10-ish team. Yeah, um, I mean, I think even like just strictly based on their resume right now, I think they're still a top 10 team, right? Like it, even without adjusting for that, I think a lot of teams have lost a lot of games, so that puts them in a better situation. So I don't think Yeah, it's I mean, her group stats rating still has them fourth, which yeah. is, seems a little high to me, right? That's not my eye test uh, assessment. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but, you know, I mean, it, they, you know, they're still having a, a good season. What's interesting, right, is they're kind of benefiting, and it's one of our issues, right, is they're like fourth in the country, a margin of victory, mm -hmm. unadjusted, right? Right. Uh, you know, and part of that's the schedule, and we probably need to control for that a little bit better um, analytically in our model. Um, but, you know, but then you look at it more on a team-by-team -team basis, like on our uh compare teams page oh, where did that go you know like UConn versus Michigan right you said is also in your group there yep. right and like I mean the problem is that who's UConn's best win and, and I don't think it's gonna happen in the Big East tournament right right it's Tennessee or Notre Dame I think it's, it's kind of yeah Tennessee too. Notre Dame and we've got Arkansas actually at that same level yeah. um so those are like three wins of teams that are you know what would you say like roughly 25th ish 20th to 25th mm -hmm. I don't know where you have Tennessee right now 
Yeah, Tennessee is probably in the 20s. Notre Dame, I mean, they had that bad loss today, but I think they're still probably hovering around, like could still be in that top 16 group, hovering around the bottom of the four line. So, right. But they probably, I mean, the point is, right, like you, there's a really good chance, regardless of what UConn's seeding is in this reveal, that they'll have no wins against any, no, any teams right. in the top 16. Yeah, agreed. Right. Whereas, uh, you know, like a Michigan mm-hmm. beat Maryland twice. I'm, I'm not sure what the health situation was there. They beat, they split with Iowa. They beat Baylor. Um, not sure whether Indiana is going to be in your top 16 group or, or not, but fairly, but yeah, um, you know, they're kind of in a little bit in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, we look at it that way. It's kind of hard from my, and, I, and maybe this is getting back to where you are. Like it's kind of hard to put Michigan behind UConn, I think. Yeah, this is where I'm struggling with kind of this whole middle group of LSU, Michigan, Texas, and UConn, because I think the other teams definitely have more quality wins, but I think there's, I think we've already seen when the committee reveals to fly that there's been some adjustment for the fact that UConn hasn't had certain players available. I expect to see more adjustment knowing that Paige Beckers is back. Yeah, I don't think you could have made that adjustment, not like knowing until she knows you've seen her on the court. So got it. And one more time. So your group is Michigan, LSU, UConn and Texas, UConn and Texas. So what's the case for LSU? We actually have them um, only 23rd in the her hoop stats uh, ratings. So um, that would be like outside the top 16, mm-hmm. even right there, 25 and four. Um, what is it, you know, that you think that, you know, could propel them into that, puts them in this uh, tier? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the quality of wins. They have a lot of quality SEC wins. They've got a win over Iowa State from, from non-conference play. And outside of, like, their worst losses to Florida, but outside of that, I mean, they've got a loss to Arkansas, a Florida Gulf Coast loss that the committee might not love, but is not a bad loss in my <laughs> opinion, like as a, a good Florida Gulf Coast team. And then we have them 21st in uh <laughs> stats rating. Yeah, exactly. So not, not a bad loss by any stretch of the means. They've just, there's, I mean, they're the second number two team in regular season SEC standings. I think that's probably enough to kind of get them within that group. Yeah. yeah gotcha. But again, Iowa State's probably a good shot of being their only top 16 win. Yeah. Agreed. I don't know. I like, I mean, that makes me pro Michigan, I think. <laughs> Man, as they say, right? Beauchamp, Beckler. Yeah. My, where I'm struggling with a lot of this like group too, is like when you look at the two seeds from the last reveal, I mean, mm-hmm. Michigan, Arizona, Indiana, were all part of that group. All of those teams have lost at least three games since the 10th. That's a lot of losses quickly. That is a lot of losses. Um, yeah. So Texas, right. Has that really nice early season win against Stanford. Uh, how do you think about a win like that? Um, you know, when so much has happened since then. Yeah. I feel like that Stanford win is obviously something that's going to be a statement on Texas's resume. How much I like take away from the fact that they beat Stanford back in November. Not that much. I think obviously we talked about in the beginning how kind of Stanford has struggled at that point guard position. That was Stanford's first game, second game in the season, right? They were definitely figuring things out. I don't think I take a whole lot away from that Texas result. They're a strong defensive team. It was a tough matchup and they got the win. So it's something that's obviously a big item on Texas's resume. I don't know that it actually says that much about Texas at this point. 
But Texas does still have conference play, two wins over Iowa State. They did drop both games to Baylor, but they've got, you know, they split the pair with Oklahoma, two wins over Kansas State. So they've definitely amassed a a pretty good quality set of wins in Big 12 play as well. Um, I believe they were on the three line on last reveal. I'll defer to you on that one. Yeah, three line. They were the 12th overall on the last reveal. Oh, no, sorry. That's Tennessee. I'm looking at the wrong thing. They were on the four line. They're 15th overall. So a pretty big move up. But since then, they've added a win over Oklahoma, added a win over Iowa State, West Virginia, Kansas State, and TCU. So they haven't lost. They've picked up a couple of good wins. I think given the amount of losses other teams have seen that were kind of above them, I don't think it's crazy for them to make a pretty big jump up. Got it. Got it. Well, I don't know. When I look at this, you know, I think my advice to the committee is to have maybe Michigan number seven. Does that seem uh, crazy if you're toying with that? I I struggle with the fact that they've lost three games since last reveal and they were five there. I think it could, I could think they could go seven. I still feel like I like their resume the best. So I probably put them at seven. It's hard to tell. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think Texas is probably the bottom of that group and it's some kind of mix between Michigan, UConn and LSU and seven, eight, nine, but we'll see for sure tomorrow. Yeah. And I guess philosophically that probably really boils. I think it's probably Michigan and either you are willing to give UConn the benefit of the doubt or you're not. Right. And I think that's going to be telling tomorrow. I think that's one of the hardest things to predict because it's just such a, yeah, not like a, situation that it's easy to point to like a historical example of how they would handle this yeah so. and it's always an interesting question but i guess today you're trying to sort of predict what the committee's going to do as opposed to right. um, who i actually think are the yeah what would you what would your vote be if you were on the committee for the last two two seats i think i would go michigan yukon i just i think dropping yukon to that third line um this no i just I have a hard time getting behind it, knowing the level of talent that they're going to have available. And I think also in terms of like, when you start looking at the big 12 team, what that means in terms of their region, I think you're probably screwing over one of your top two seeds by doing that as well. So I, I think I would like to see them on that two team, two line. Screwing, you're hurting one of your two seeds by, if you- like One of your like top, your number one overall, like your South Carolina or your Stanford, I think because of the way the big 12 teams are going to fall right now. Oh, I see. I think the way that they're going to get pushed into a different region. I like right, right now, I think if you look at like ESPN's bracketology, UConn is in the three in South Carolina's region. And I think that would be a poor way to treat your number one overall seed. <laughs> that would be a pretty amazing, uh, I guess, elite eight game. Right? Yeah. I, I really don't think that's going to happen. I don't think anyone wants that to happen. I just, I in general think that would be a, a, a poor way to treat South Carolina that they're not number one over Maybe. Plus, you think there's a conspiracy theory there for ratings? Well, yeah, too. I, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's great for ratings to put you cut in South Carolina in the same bracket. Yeah, right. It's I mean, not I think supposed to be a consideration, but I think at some point it will become a consideration. <laughs> yeah. Well, yep, yep. Indeed, indeed. And so if it was up to you, would you put Texas ahead of uh, LSU? I think that's kind of what I'm looking at um, from looking at their resumes, but. Yeah, I think there's an argument for that. I want to give LSU more credit for like 
winning, but yeah, I think there's Texas does have more quality wins. So it's, it's hard. Yeah. They've got the Stanford. They've got two Iowa state wins. Mm-hmm. LSU has an Iowa state win, you know, Texas did lose to Baylor twice, but you know, I don't think, you know, on our compare resume sheet, you know, they didn't play anyone uh, comparably. LSU didn't. Yeah. And, um, you know, we give actually Princeton a lot of uh, credit. So that shows up pretty nicely here <laughs> um, as a win. You know, LSU has the FGC loss, as you mentioned. Texas has a Tennessee loss. And then there's like a whole bunch of games that LSU has won, which are um, kind of impressive and that kind of 20 to 40 range for teams. Yeah. And then you get a whole, you know, then you start to get into a world where um Texas but Texas has a couple not good losses or at least one particularly not good no. loss in Texas Tech Texas Tech yep Texas that was uh, at home no less so. yeah Texas Tech has I think won like a grand total of three big 12 games but they've upset I think Texas Baylor and someone else that's been ranked so um, <laughs> look here yeah they beat uh uh no they beat Oklahoma and okay. Kansas State Okay. Um, I don't think they've been anyone early. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Um, yeah. Still, right? That's a little rough. Yep. So cool. Okay, so that batch again: Texas, UConn, LSU, Michigan. It's so hard to keep track of this, right? It gives you yeah <laughs> for uh, what the committee does. And I will say to your point, um, when I went to a, a committee. It was like a mock selection mm-hmm. thing they did for the media and for coaches to kind of show what the process was. They did talk about seeding based, on, you know, there's the considerations for um, all the rules around conferences, right. stuff, which you sort of alluded to, although I'm not quite sure I'm uh, fully tracking how it applies as far as breaking up the big, you know, since the big 12. Yeah, it applies more when you start getting into bracketing and putting teams into regions exactly exactly but they did sort of talk about selection based on body work but then seeding based on prediction yeah exactly which i think is what we've been seeing a lot in terms of like the way uconn has been seated so far and the way i expect them to be seated tomorrow okay so um getting back now looking at it again from our her hoop stats rating perspective so um We've talked about South Carolina, NC State, Stanford, UConn. We have not talked about Maryland. We've got BYU pretty high. We've got Iowa pretty high. Yeah. Princeton and Gonzaga probably higher than you do. So Mm -hmm. who's like in your next group? Is Maryland and or Iowa in it? So I have Iowa and Maryland both on the four line, but maybe just quickly to wrap up the three line, I've got when Arizona sitting there. I don't think there's a whole lot of surprise there. Um, All right, Arizona and who? Oklahoma. So teams that have been in the reveal so far had some losses, but so dropped down some, but still sitting in that, that three range. But yeah, the top of my floor line right now is Iowa and Maryland. I think Iowa did themselves a lot of flavors over the last week, especially today, that big win over Michigan definitely gets them in there. I don't know if I'm sold on them being the top four, but I think we see them on the floor line tomorrow and Maryland as well, I think has picked up some good wins over the last weeks obviously some consideration to the talent that was available and some of those losses i think they're probably on the four line as well at this point i think both of those big 10 teams get in and then another big 10 team too indiana sitting in the four line as well so a lot of big men going on there got it so one more time then your last two threes are who again they're arizona and oklahoma because yeah we've got um oklahoma 40th in the her hoops hats right yeah Oklahoma is a team that I think they're not that high in the net either and they weren't high in the net when they were in the reveal this past 
um, one. So they were the ninth overall seed in the last reveal. I think they were in the 20s or 30s in net at that point, too. They're 32nd in net right now. But they're just the number of wins they have in the Big 12 that are quality wins, I think, it's kind of just put them up there. The Big 12 in the way that... Who, who are you giving them credit for? They lost to Iowa State twice. They beat Baylor twice, which is like... Yeah. Although maybe a little less so if Baylor loses again tomorrow. They split with Texas. Yeah, so the two wins over Baylor, the wins... they I think they have two wins over Kansas State. Is that correct? And then... They, they split with Kansas State. Split with Kansas State. The win over Texas. Texas, yes. Yeah. They split with Texas. Yeah, I think they still just have more quality wins than I think as we start getting further down this list, the number of quality yeah. wins declines very quickly. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really is pretty amazing. So um, they do have the worst loss of the two teams again with that. Uh, yeah. They have, they have lost to Texas Tech, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, yeah, right. Maryland's got three kind of tough early losses to South Carolina, NC State and Stanford, right? But of course, Oklahoma would do that um as well i mean i guess it hurts maryland that they lost uh michigan twice yeah. um yeah no that's a close one i guess yeah i think oklahoma benefits from the fact that those you know those other three top big 12 teams are ahead of them so some of those losses don't look as bad as maybe some of the other ones yeah i guess that's true you know one reason our system doesn't uh the herbs nets ratings don't like oklahoma as much as their margin of victory is not super high. They're only, you know, they're winning game only by eight and a half points per game, which is 58th in the country versus Maryland's at 11.9. <laughs> and even when you control for pace, uh, you know, Maryland ranks uh, 36th and uh, Oklahoma ranks 79th. So, you know, you really have to believe that um, that schedule is much tougher. Yeah. Well, I think we see that in their net ranking too, but I think what we've seen is that the committee clearly didn't care about that in the last yeah. <laughs> So I think that I'm largely using that as the measurement that, you know, the committee knows their net is low, still put them at ninth overall in the last reveal. So it was really, I think we've seen this in, over the last two reveals. There's a lot of focus on quality wins. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of Baylor twice versus Iowa and Baylor. Um, and do you consider BYU a quality win? Yes, I do. They're a team I don't have in, but I hope that we'll see them in. I, the committee doesn't tend to, I think, favor on the top line, the mid-majors. still think they're a team that might get in there with, if other teams lose in their conference tournaments. But a team I, I'll be happy if we see them on the top 16 line tomorrow, but I don't know that we will. Do you think that um, Oklahoma's win over BYU is better than Maryland's over Indiana and Nebraska? I don't know about over Indiana. Uh, definitely over Nebraska, in my opinion. I think it's a better one. I think BYU is a really good win. But I don't know that the committee necessarily will look at it as better than Nebraska. I think yeah. that's where. How about Ohio State? We should, uh, I mean, they're probably not in your list, but we should give them some love, right? Who? Ohio State. Sorry. Ohio State, yeah. Ohio State, I was struggling with this too because I'm like, all right, so Iowa and Ohio State split the Big Ten regular season title, but yeah. I don't think Ohio State has enough quality <laughs> wins to quite get in there. Got it. Okay. So um, coming back to it then for you, who are your, do you have a quote unquote final four for the four seeds or how far does your group spill there? Yeah. So I said, Iowa and Maryland and Indiana already, I think. So those are three of your fours. And then I think Notre Dame probably still sneaks in at number 16, even with that rough loss today, but I think BYU and UNC are hanging out right around there too. Got it. 
So Notre Dame, so you have Notre Dame ahead of UNC. Yeah, I do for now at least. And what, uh, I'm pulling up their resumes here, what um, kind of tips that balance for you? Let me pull it up too. Notre Dame does have that NC State. Yeah, I think that's a big one. They have that win over NC State. That is a a really quality win. Um, And uh, NC State blew out North Carolina on the the flip side there. But yeah, and then Notre Dame did beat Carolina um, in January, Mm -hmm. 65. I think everyone was healthy. I forget. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's splitting hairs. I think. Yes, I, I would. <laughs> it, they're very close. I think Notre Dame just has a little bit more of a higher, couple better wins than North Carolina does. But I mean, it, like I said, it's splitting hairs. Yeah, I think they probably have the worst losses, right? Because yeah, like Duke and Florida State. So it'll be interesting to see how the committee cares about that. Because the worst team that North Carolina has lost to is either what? I mean, Notre Dame or Georgia Tech, I probably yeah. think, depending on how you rank them. Maybe Virginia, Virginia Tech, but... Tech, yeah. It's funny how you want to say it. But yeah, I agree. I think it's hard to tell. Um, I think, I mean, Notre Dame won the head-to-head. Not that that's a, you know, a huge point, but I think it gives a little bit of an edge as well. So Yeah. I'm curious here. I didn't look this one up ahead of time. Um, yeah, if they were to play on a neutral, hypothetically, right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess our neutral gives what's you. Oh, we're very high on UNC, though, so I think yeah. also great assault on that, but it gives North Carolina the 62% chance of winning on yeah. the floor. It's higher when you say a 62% chance of winning instead of a four-point win, though, right? It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it'd be a close game, and I do think we're a little too high on UNC in our model, to be fair. So yeah, twenty-three five though, mm-hmm. pretty good, pretty pretty good. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm sorry, right? So it was North Carolina, Notre Dame, and so then if you were to have those two, who's the last one out? Because you you got us to seventeen, right? I think. Oh yeah, that? yeah, that would be UNC would be the last one out. That would be seventeen, and I think BYU is right there too. Like I said, I'd like to see them, right. and I don't know that the committee will put them in. So if you were on the committee, you would have what BYU sixteen? Is that what you're? Yeah, saying? I think I would have BYU in if I was on the committee, but I don't necessarily expect to see that tomorrow. I do think there's a much more likely chance that we see it in the actual bracket, though, because the the you know. Mm-hmm chance that well because all these teams are in the same conferences someone has to lose so yes there'll be some losses BYU could win a conference tournament with a yeah so if BYU wins out I think they more likely than not could end up in the top 16. So then I guess you know we've actually been going for a while here which so we should probably think about wrapping it up but I mean the natural question is like who do you think could surprise us or you know, who alternatively, another way to think about it might be like, whose fans are we going to hear complaining uh, to us that we didn't mention them yet? Uh, probably Tennessee. The thing for Tennessee with me is not so much. I mean, their resume has taken like a nosedive in the last few weeks, but the loss of Jordan Horston and not knowing what her status is for yeah. the tournament at the moment, I don't, you can't put them in there. I don't think not knowing that at this point, that's, that's a huge loss for them. So I mean, they kept it really close with LSU today, but they, if they had pulled off that win, I think we'd be talking about this differently, but they didn't pull it off. So I think they're got to be out at this point. Yeah, Oregon has fallen out. Last six, I think, right? One, yeah, two, yeah. Yeah. They've taken. I mean, sorry, four and six in their last 10 is what I meant to say. Yeah. 
And then what about, uh, we haven't mentioned Virginia Tech really. Um, yeah, they're hanging around, I feel like, with that Notre Dame UNC group as well. I think they haven't quite amassed the number of, you know, the bigger wins, but a team I think that if they make some noise in the ACC tournament could sneak in for sure uh, to the top 16. You Oregon as well. About them? Oregon too? Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask about them next. Yeah, I think, again, a team that if they make some noise in the Pac-12 tournament, I think they're a team that we even saw that, like, you know, at the last reveal, they were still in after a couple of losses. They've lost three games since then. I mean, the one to Stanford uh, doesn't really matter to me. I think you, you expect them to lose that, but the Oregon State and the Colorado losses, I think, bumped them out. But they come and pick up some big wins in the Pac-12 tournament, given we clearly see that their injuries have been adjusted for in the first two reveals they could sneak back in yeah they're only i guess uh five and five in their last 10 themselves so mm-hmm. yeah like, i think it's get to eight and five what i guess what eight and five uh then you'd be doing uh doing sounding a little bit better and you know on- yeah i kind of feel like they're in a position where unless they upset stanford in the pac-12 tournament they're probably not and i just don't think there's enough opportunities to pick up really high quality wins in the pac-12 right now got it got it and how much how do you think about them from a health perspective sort of like the yukon discussion yeah i think that's another like really good example of ways we can point to like kind of the committee is definitely adjusting when teams get healthy back because like we saw in the first reveal they were in and they were still in the last reveal so it kind of feels like some of those early losses have been not totally ignored but somewhat ignored in the kind of where they're being seated which i think is a good appropriate right like if they're truly a four or five seed like in talent right now that's where we should see them that yeah and are you willing to go the other way on that and if someone gets hurt or something yes i don't have the covid um you know drop them yeah down. well i think covid not so much because like it's theoretically shouldn't really impact like outside of like the next like seven days or whatever but well, yeah know, right i mean yeah if they have covid and you know they're gonna i mean that could hurt them through the elite eight almost right like 14 days right yeah i feel like we're not gonna know that someone has covid enough to like address yeah, for I it so <laughs> i don't think that's necessarily gonna fit but yeah i mean like like i said with tennessee like the jordan horston injury if she's not gonna be available i think you have to adjust for that and i think we've seen that in the past right like a lot of time coaches are very close-lipped about players that have minor things going on because they want the committee to assume that they're going to be good to go <laughs> run them out run them out there when they're a little bit injured if you're not yeah just make sure the committee doesn't penalize you and then like oh we got to rest the uh, rest of the first uh, weekend or whatever mm-hmm. but yeah no i think you should do it both ways i think gotcha. you should be trying to see it as close to what our teams are at currently yeah no i'm with you so are you what's your overall take on the whole bracketology seed reveal really process do you are you a fan of them doing it during the season like this or you know in the middle of a game that could potentially change things is it kind of like why in the world are we worrying about this until the actual tournament happens i like it because i think it's nice to get a snapshot of like where the committee actually is throughout the season especially in seasons like this with the COVID impacts and everything else that they I think there's a lot more variables that are going into this than if it's just you know your standard normal season and stuff because you have to consider all these like you know Iowa State lost a game without both the Jones sisters how do you consider that all that kind of stuff so I I really like getting the snapshot and yes it's irrelevant um five minutes later you know when someone loses but 
you still can kind of adjust from that. I think it makes it, you know, like, okay, this is what it is right now. And it's a lot easier to adjust up and down from that, trying to figure out where things are going to go than like starting from blank slate. So I think I like it from that perspective. I think especially, you know, this one that's two weeks out, you can, we'll be able to play with things from um, where, you know, what happens in the conference tournaments and have a decent at least picture of what some of those top lines are going to look like. Um, the one thing I think that gets frustrating about it is that, especially with the regions, I think fans tend to have large reactions to it where like, I like, to me, I like seeing it from like, I like to see where one through 16 is. I could care less what region they say people are in right now because it's like one game changes that, right? So it's just, yeah. it's not like worth, <laughs> I think UConn fans in particular right now have been, you know, very much focused on that and like, are they not going to be in Bridgeport? But I think that part is so irrelevant until you get the final bracket because like I right. said, one game. The four, the four regions oh. again are Bridgeport, Connecticut, Greensboro, yes. North Carolina, and I am blinking on the other two. Spokane, Washington, and Wichita, Kansas. Great job saying Spokane. Uh, as an East Coaster, I'm impressed. <laughs> so, um, and Wichita, right? Yeah. 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 So, um, so that would mean, what would be your guess then as to how the one seeds would South Carolina and Greensboro, Stanford and Spokane, NC State and Bridgeport and Louisville and Wichita. So yeah, NC State and Bridgeport would be sort of the interesting one, I guess. Yeah, they're most likely to get stuck with UConn. But I mean, something could change where UConn's not in Bridgeport. It's still very possible, but I think if UConn's on the two line, I have a hard time seeing them not being in Bridgeport. Yeah, and what if they're on the three line? They probably would still have a decent. They'd still be in Bridgeport if they can. The Big Twelve might make it difficult because so the rule is that the top four seeds from one conference, if they are on the top four seed lines, cannot be put into the same bracket. And you've got Iowa State, Baylor, Texas, and Oklahoma. That kind of granted, someone could fall you know, with conference tournaments and still regular season games to be played, but they're all. Although right then in that case, it's actually probably good for UConn for all four of those teams to get in because then they all have to be there. And so you can have UConn and a big 12 team by definition. in one. Of right. Them. It's just a matter of what line they're on. So if you've got, you know, a bunch of them on the three line and stuff, right. that can make things difficult. It's not so much them all being in that top four group. It's just like if they're all concentrated on that three line it can, with UConn, it can make it harder. Yeah, we've got a lot of uh, exciting plans for things that uh, not only we're going to try and uh, pull off in the next uh, couple weeks leading up to the tournament, but also for next year. One of my dreams, uh, which I haven't uh, thought exactly about how well we could do it, is like really actually simulate the bracket and all those complicated rules. Yes, <laughs> it's a little, there's so much sub- subjectivity to it that it's, I think, pretty difficult to do. Yeah, exactly. But it would be fun. And, uh, you know, one thing I'm going to be interested to see is I feel like we talked about bracketology for maybe 10 minutes, maybe a little longer last time. And I'm hoping that this, because this is only this, is this the second seed reveal? Am I, or is the third? third? It'll be the third. The third right? Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. The third. So um, I'm hoping that we can actually have some like discussion about it this time. Cause like it'll, there aren't that really many games that are super exciting going on on Tuesday and Wednesday. So yeah. I feel like it left the conversation pretty quickly. Um, I don't know if that was your impression um, after the first and second one. I think it does. And I think part of that is the fact that like when they have these reveals and all these top teams are playing and three of them have lost 
by two hours later, it's kind of not yeah, as relevant anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's a little more frozen though, right? I think. Yeah. Point yeah. Point. There'll be so less shakeup. Chance to uh, debate it a little bit more. Yeah. I agree. Cool. Cool. Well, I appreciate you uh, walking me through this. Um, you know, I haven't thought about it in as much detail as you. Uh, and I know you've been paying really close attention to this all season. So uh, it's very exciting, right? You know, like we said at the top, right? South Carolina, if they only have a, you know, roughly one third ish chance to win, uh, plus or minus, yeah, it's still pretty, as high as that is, it's still pretty wide open tournament. So it should be a lot. Yeah. Of fun. yeah. I think it's going to be a very fun tournament. Very much looking forward to it. I think our whole team is. I think one thing that we're looking forward to is actually being able to cover it in person yes. uh, this season. So, um, I will be seeing you uh, actually in 3D uh, in <laughs> at the Final Four as well. So that'll be uh, that'll be great. And so, yeah, definitely, I would encourage anyone who's listening to this to you know if you do uh, attend these things in person, be looking for for Megan, look for myself, and look for everybody on our team. I'll be wearing my hurry stats gear. Um, hopefully, you will too, Megan. Uh, <laughs> and um, you know hopefully we'll be able to see a lot of uh, the folks that we know uh, from the Twitterverse in real life yes definitely looking forward to that part cool okay well thanks a lot I think it's getting uh, <laughs> this old man's bedtime so, <laughs> yeah uh, thanks Aaron <laughs> well that's all for today's episode thanks again for listening as always make sure you rate like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening or watching if you're on YouTube to us also, make sure you are subscribed to the stats site. Everything you need in terms of women's basketball stats, especially for the NCAA tournament coming up, must have as you're trying to make your bracket. So definitely go check that out. Also, be sure to be subscribed to our newsletter on Substack to get all of her hoop stats best content in your inbox daily. And last but not least, make sure to follow us on social media at her hoop stats on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Thank you for listening. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.